Welcome to the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk about retail, business, and all things related to the hot tub industry. Here's your host, Megan Kendrick. Welcome to the Spa Retailer Podcast. I'm Megan, the editor at Spa Retailer, and I am here with one of our longtime columnists, Linda Cahan. Um, Linda and I started working together way back in 2009, and she's written for the magazine since then. So welcome, Linda. I'm so glad to have you today. Thanks, Megan. It's my pleasure. Like I said, Linda has been writing for us, probably one of my longest tenured writers in the magazine. Um, can you just tell us a little bit? We met at the Atlantic City show back in, back that year. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about your background and kind of how you started working in the hot tub realm? I have absolutely no idea how that happened. Uh, I started out in fashion working for a very, very expensive store where, you know, no one could afford, who, no one who worked there could actually afford the merchandise. But once I went on my own, I was definitely more open to any type of retail design. And I started giving seminars as well when a textbook of mine was published. And um, I was called by, at that time, I think it was the spa show or whatever it was ages and ages ago. And I spoke for, or the aqua show. And I spoke for the aqua show about five years in a row. And whenever I learn a new, uh, learn a new category, whenever I'm like giving a speech, I immerse myself in the category. So I don't sound like an idiot on stage. And so I can actually give people good information. So I went to like every hot tub store that I could find at that point in Connecticut and New York. And then when I moved out here, I started speaking for the pool spa patio show. So once again, I immersed myself in the category and even more so when I met you. So during that time, I've also consulted for a bunch, designed a few and really, you know, got into it. And it was funny because when you hired me, I thought, what can I write about? And here it's been like all these years and there doesn't seem to be a lack of topics. (laughs) Yeah, that's really funny because I hear that um, people ask me that often when they find out what I do. They're like, how can there be that much to write about hot tubs? And it's, and there's, there's plenty. Don't worry, everybody. (laughs) Right. So the thing that, I mean, Linda, since you have been working in the industry for a while now um, and paying attention to what's going on in hot tub stores and been in a lot of hot tub stores, I thought it would be interesting to just to talk about some of the good and bad things that you see in in hot tub stores that you've been into from a merchandising perspective. Um, what are some of the things that you walk in that just make you, make you cringe? <laughs> well, first, when I walk up to a store, my first impression is, do they care? You know, is the sign clean? Um, does it look like the windows have been washed? Is the sidewalk clean? I mean, you really, you're not even aware of how subliminal these first impressions are. But if the people can't take care of the facade of their store, then how are they going to take care of me as a customer? I mean, if they don't care about themselves, why would they care about me? Now, as a retail say, well, that's because I'm putting all my energy into taking care of the customer. But the customer doesn't know that. They just see 
you know, something that looks old, beat up, neglected. Uh, so faded facades, bleach signs, um, no open sign. You know, these are the things that tell me that the retailer, you know, doesn't really care as much as I would like for them to be, to care. Also, if you have a freestanding building um, where you actually seem to own the space, foliage of some sort around the building makes all the difference in the world in terms of feeling good about the space. So that's the first thing. And then when I walk in, um, if there is no decompression zone, which means you walk in and within three feet, you're hit by a fixture or a, a spa or something, um, no decompression zone makes me feel like the store is a little desperate. Ideally, a customer wants to be able to walk in and scan the store and see where they want to go in the store, not essentially be you know, physically and visually assaulted by something, anything. Yeah, that's true. And it's funny because, I mean, you're an expert, so you kind of you know, think about these things a lot and recognize these things right away. But a consumer, I don't think necessarily realizes, you know, they're not going to walk in and say, oh, there's no decompression zone. <laughs> right. But, that, but, you know, that they'll, they may walk in and be like, man, this is just tight or I just feel uncomfortable. There's just kind of a feeling that I feel like people get when they walk in and there isn't that that area. Because I think about the stores that I go to and that's definitely That's the case. exactly it, Megan. It's the feeling. I mean, the customers don't spend a lot of time analyzing. You're right. I mean, it's they just feel, they experience. And if they feel uncomfortable or inconvenienced or really classic, I mean, we are all animals. I mean, every time my cat goes to uh, anything new, the first thing he does is sniff it. And I, I watch him and it's like the sniffing comes first. And for humans, it's the same thing. You know, we, we, we experience things like animals on two feet. We sniff, we get a sense of the light level. I mean, if it's too dark, um, we, we immediately think, okay, I need to kind of adjust my expectations here. You know, we might not be able to see I mean, especially older people will have a hard time reading signage in in a darker store. But um, one of the other things that stands out is is clutter, which is like the absolute easiest thing to take care of. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I agree. I'm one of those people... Uh, personally that if I like I would prefer to pay more at a store where I didn't have to dig for things as opposed to you know go to maybe the secondhand store where I could dig and find something for free like I need to be able to see everything yeah, and I, then I'll buy I, it. I don't think you're alone <laughs> there I mean uh, clutter once again indicates disorganization lack of caring and that again subliminally I, so I try to say subliminally quickly uh, goes to how a person perceives your service. Are you going to, you know, treat treat them when they when they have problems or when they need service like they treat the store? Is it going to be sloppy and uncaring? Mm -hmm. So that's that that's one of the other things. And then sometimes I'll just walk into a spa yeah. store and it's like they just plunk the spas down 
you know, let's just line them up and, and that's it. That's it. Be a discount store because it has less ambiance than Home Depot. Yeah. What do you think they should do? I mean, because a hot tub is, I mean, it's so big. And I think these guys are just trying really hard to get as many models in there as they can fit. I mean, so what are some things that they can do to make that not feel so pushed up together and, and make them look better and feel better, but still maximize their space? It's a good question. And people just, you know, you just figure doing, lining them up and creating aisles like Target or Walmart would be the answer. And if you do need to put as many in as absolutely possible, that probably is the way to go, except that you lose any sense of interest or wonder for the customer. And sometimes it makes sense to store some, if you can, in the back that are very similar, may not be exactly the same, but very similar to the ones that you have on the floor and make the back neat and clean also. So if you have to bring someone back there, you can, then they feel like they're, they're getting a real special deal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, people love to go exploring and going up and down aisles, nothing, nothing will stand out everything will feel the same. Um, There may be, I mean, if you can leave some space between them so the customer can actually see the sides of the unit, that would be excellent. Um, Adding like a hedge of some sort of of, uh, fake or real, depending on your lighting, um, some kind of decorative hedge, some greenery in between just to give it a sense of um, softness helps. I mean, most of these go outdoors. So you want to bring a sense of the outdoors into the display so that people can picture it in their yards or on their decks. But the other, the other thing would be people when they go exploring, they, like I said, they don't go in straight lines. So to create a sense of adventure, you want to move through the store more like pinball than a bowling ball. So people essentially twist and turn. And the spas, while they don't look like they're thrown down like confetti, could, they could be angled. They could be um, moving so that there's a three-foot aisle between them. And you can circle around each one. And then when there's more space, that could be a place where you can put some decor element like a, a tree or a bush or something to soften the edges. Is it important that a customer can move around the entire hot tub or do you think it's okay when they're kind of up against the wall? Or, I mean, do they need to have that kind of 365 degree angle? It's a good question. And a salesman would know better than I would. But I know as a customer, I only want to see at least two sides to make sure I like how it looks. And if the hookup is an important element of the sale, then that should be a vis- you know, that should be visible in some way. If it's not an important element, then that can obviously be hidden. And, you know, and that could, that could be jammed okay. up against or however they need to do it. What are a couple other things that you, bad things that you see before we move on to the, to the good <laughs> stuff? What are some other things that, that you have often seen in hot tub well, stores? 
almost every spa should be sold with a pair with a set of steps. And when I don't see steps in front of one, it's such a missed opportunity. And as a customer, my first thought is, oh, no steps. You know, I mean, it, it's just, again, like, what what's wrong with it? Is this the discount unit? Now, obviously, you're going to have to pay separate for the steps, but you don't necessarily know that right away. <laughs> um, one of the things also is a store that's just all white. It's boring. I mean, it's easy enough. I mean, just pick a color. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to get fancy, but, and it doesn't have to be blue. I mean, people will, people will Mm -hmm. uh, stay longer when the walls are green because green makes people calm down and, and just sort of chill out. But just white walls, they start looking dingy within a year. And they're uninspiring. And it's not like the units themselves are all that exciting looking. I mean, usually the interiors of them are are more attractive. But getting some decor on the walls, and I'm a huge fan of lifestyle murals because they transform a space. But anything other than white is good. And um, too many different types of plants and uh, plant holders can look really kind of tacky. It's like, oh, you know, I went to five wholesale stores and I found these. And it's like you're selling fake plants instead of uh, spa units. It's funny because so as you know, for as long as you've written for us, you know, I've heard you talk about bringing greenery and and foliage into the store. So it's kind of funny that it's like you need that, but it still has to be consistent and the right kind, not just everything that you find, like you said, at the discount store that week. Yeah, you don't want tons of random things hanging around. Um, when I designed a prototype store for Marquee, I ordered all. Um, the shrubbery and the trees from that would be indigenous to the Pacific Northwest because the store was in Port, the Portland, Oregon area. And I wanted people to relate to it. I mean, you don't, you tend not to buy a hot tub in Oregon when you live in Connecticut. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, if I was just doing, doing something in Connecticut, I would have shrubs and trees that were appropriate for there. Uh, just people can relate to it instantly. So are you not a fan of the palm tree vignettes that you will see in many <laughs> pool and hot tub stores then? <laughs> uh, in California, they'd be fabulous. <laughs> Arizona and, you know, anywhere where there are palm trees. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think they're kind of you know, promising something that you just can't deliver. <laughs> yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. Also- One of the other things are um, t- a dirty bathroom. <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of the spa stores I've been in are, have been run by men. And sorry, guys, but you know, bathrooms actually need to be cleaned more than every two weeks. I mean, seriously, like daily. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I add to that as well? A bathroom that does not have a changing table is also a huge oh. turnoff for someone who has yeah. uh, been in the diaper changing stage of life. Um, <laughs> nothing is more infuriating than needing to take care of that and realizing that your options are the floor or your lap. Yeah, 
Right, because the kid's going to sink into the sink or toilet, so it's just not going to work. No, yes. that's a that's a very good point, and not one I thought of, but it it makes sense. And if you have um, tester tubs where people can actually, you know, go in, they are going to be changing their clothes in your restroom. So you need, you know, even if it's a um, a bunch of hooks on the wall or a clo- you know a, a, a coat rack, something they can hook their their clothes up on. A good bench can also double as a changing table. Yeah. But also, you know, a polypropylene soft rug. It can be just a little area rug that they can drip onto. But it once again, it needs to be vacuumed. Now, <clears throat> you can keep your vacuum in the bathroom. You can keep a broom and a, and a little you know, little dust thingy in the bathroom. As long as it's neat and up against the wall, the bathroom doesn't have to be a show place. It just mm-hmm. can't be disgusting. Right. <laughs> and it has to, and it has to offer the certain conveniences. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that could just be such a huge turn off or turn on. I mean, there are certain places <laughs> that, that I, we will not go as a family because we know their bathrooms are terrible. So <laughs> it just... It, it makes a huge it makes a huge difference. Well, you know, it is one of the basic human needs, and it cannot be ignored. <laughs> well, and I, I think too. I mean, buying a hot tub is one of those things that you don't just walk in and walk out. I mean, it's sort of like you know, Pottery Barn has bathrooms in every single one of their stores because they know that if you're in there buying a couch, you're not going to walk in and walk out in ten minutes. It's going to take thirty, forty, you know an hour long to complete the process. It's the same with a hot tub. Like the chances that someone's going to need to use your restroom when they're buying a hot tub, I feel like is pretty high. Well, I mean, just speaking for myself, it's pretty much a hundred percent, unfortunately. And I know I'm not alone and you're right. It's, it's not, well, for some people they can walk and go, yeah, I like that one. But for a lot of people, Sales salespeople are working with them for an hour to minimum, I would imagine. Yeah. So what are some of the what are some of the good things? I mean, I know that it's not it's not all bad things that you've seen out there. What are some positive things that you've seen in hot tub stores that you wish were replicated more often in the industry? Well, some window displays or or graphics. I mean, something in the window other than a black window. And the graphics can be depend on the price point of the store. The window displays can look like a, a car sales place, you know, or it can be a, more interesting or elegant. Uh, your your windows are going to tell people your price point, uh, but having something in there is is good. Having any kind of moving element outside, whether it's those weird yellow like licorice looking things that, you know, like look like people or just fluttering flags. Any kind of moving element attracts attention and a strong focal point when you walk in. Something attractive and that would potentially be an outdoor living space uh, or just, you know, a, a really fabulous spa unit set up with you know, foliage and maybe a lawn chair or, you know, just, you know, just womp it up, make it look beautiful. And then everything else can be plumped around. But if, 
what they see first is really great. That's going to influence their impression of your store for the rest of the tour around the area. Sure. So in that decompression area that we talked about earlier, you would put maybe your your top hot tub with all of the bells and whistles and then just merchandise it to the hilt with all of the accessories and just make it look as pretty and inviting as yes, possible. Yes, but not in the decompression zone, right, beyond, right, be, oh, right okay. beyond it. Okay, so it may right. be the first thing you see, but you don't actually have to step into it when you walk in. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I mean, if you could get a mannequin, I mean, they certainly make enough seated mannequins. Um, I mean, people really, you know, they're sort of fascinated by mannequins. And seeing one in a store where you don't expect it is fun. And if it is a, you know, if it's a real family unit, I would put in, you know, mannequin male female and a little kid okay so i mean i feel like i have not seen any mannequins lately that haven't i mean are there some that would be fun and not (laughs) (laughs) there's there's a place called um, mannequinmadness.com and she sells mannequins at a lot of lower price points that are not creepy (laughs) but yeah there is that creepy factor and if if you want, what I would do is get first of all, never get a headless mannequin. Those are those are creepy. <laughs> but get you know, get you could get a mannequin that basically has like an egg head or something that just has a slightest indication of a nose and ears, and then I would put sunglasses on it and a hat. So it doesn't really have a personality, but it does look human. <laughs> Okay. That's, no, that's a good idea. That makes sense. That makes it a little bit more fun and a lot less, um, you know, nameless, faceless. Yeah. uh, I mean, if if all you can find are really creepy looking mannequins, definitely don't go there. Like a bad mannequin will destroy the image of your store because that's all people will be able to see. So yeah, it's a good deal. Isn't always a good deal. Yeah, I don't know if I've, I mean, in the hundreds of hot tub stores that we have done photo shoots at, I don't know if I've seen a mannequin in a single um, one. I have only in once, and that was in Connecticut, and I remember going past the windows, and it was before I was speaking for the Aqua Show, and I thought, wow, if I ever get to, you know, speak for this category, I'm going to take pictures of this window, and now I wish I had. But but they changed no. <laughs> it every once in a while, and it made me keep looking at it. And it may be because I started in the fashion side of the whole retail business, but the more you humanize a product, I think the more people will pay attention to it. And they do make life-size um, fabric mannequins. They're kind of, I don't know, like like velory and you can get them so they look tan and you only buy the ones without the faces and they're definitely less expensive and they have a wire armature so that you can put them into different positions okay yeah i I think i can picture what you're what you're talking about i've seen those before yeah so yeah mannequinmadness.com i'm giving a shout out to the owner because um they do a great job they're in California. You might be able to find other places, you know, depending where you are in the country. But I know that these fabric mannequins are pretty lightweight, so they're not as expensive to ship. Okay. 
All right. So you walk into the store, you have that strong focal point. Maybe it, there's a mannequin, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what are some other things that are good things that you've seen in hot tub stores? Well, when I know it sounds so crazy, but when the accessories that aren't for sale make sense, like towels, I mean, you can do a fairly neutral colored store and then just pick like two bright colors for towels and those become your color spots that lead the eye around the store. Now, again, you don't want to look like you went to some discount store and bought up every color in the rainbow. Uh, I would pick two good colors that increase sales. Usually, you know, well, the, the warm colors, orange, red, Yellow. These are the colors that increase sales. Uh, you can do softer colors everywhere else, but but don't again. Don't do you know that you don't have to have towels at every spa. You don't have to have uh, toys everywhere. But little spots of color, as long as the colors are somewhat in the same family, just bring the eye around. And there can be some spas with nothing. I mean, you know, they could be eye relief too. That's not a bad thing. That's, I mean, that's good to know too, because I feel like um, it can be a little overwhelming to retailers thinking about having to add all of these things to each of their spa models. And so it's good to know that it's okay to have one that just looks nice on its oh, own. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, w- I would probably do every third one with some kind of, you know, towel or accessory. And the other thing that is overwhelming is signage. Um, very often the manufacturer sends signage and then the store itself has their signage and people just don't read. I mean, they will glance at it, but I mean, even if you look at magazine formats now, everything is short form. There's so few long articles. I mean, bullet points work. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point. Um, I guess, so for, for retailers, um, you know, they do get this, the point of purchase material and signage from their manufacturers, and then they've got their own stuff. I mean, what do they, what can they do to kind of help coordinate that better so that they are, um, you know, using their resources, but also, you know, still making things look nice for their customers? Well, if they, are a one manufacturer retailer, then the manufacturer signs will make sense because they'll all be coordinated. But if they carry spas and different units from 10 different manufacturers, it's going to be a jumble. I mean, there's clutter and then there's the signage clutter. And I would not use the manufacturer's signs uh, standing up. I would potentially mount them and put them to the side for for further information and just have my own store signage using the points from the manufacturer but having signage coordinated so that people know where to look uh when they look at the unit you know the 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 sign holder is you know to the left of the of the steps or or whatever you know you just pick one place and you try to stick with it around the store so that people don't get confused i mean visual um, clutter then kind of confuses the decision making process 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's really frustrating. Lots of signs can be difficult to navigate. Do you have strong feelings about signs that are handwritten? <laughs> it depends on the handwriting and the, and the spelling. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm discovering that a lot of people have come to rely so strongly on spell check that they have completely forgotten about dictionaries. And, you know, you see these signs and they're really funny, but disturbing. <laughs> and um, if, if you want to do handwritten signs, one of the things I suggest is that you have template, a template made so that your signs, let's say you have an 11 by 14 sign, just for argument's sake. And these are pre-printed with your logo, with soft colored lines for you to write on so that it's not all over the place. Um, it may even have a thing that says price, um, style number, you know, different information that's needed. And then a wider tip marker, one person only ever doing the signs who has good handwriting. So there's consistency. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I feel like a lot of times if, if signs are handwritten, it's just because they didn't have a sign. And so it's something that they do quickly and it's not very well thought out. But that's a good idea to have something like that on hand so that you know, if you do have something that goes on sale, that you can do a sign that still looks nice and branded very well, as opposed to just thrown together on a piece of paper and stuck in a little holder. <laughs> right. Yeah. One of my least favorite things are those um, kind of fluorescent stars and, <laughs> you know, and, and then, you know, they're written on and they're in all different colors. And it's, it, it's just like, I don't know. It's like somebody on acid decided they were going to just sign the whole store and make it look fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, you don't see the spas. Right. You just see the, the signs. That's a very that's a very good point. Yes, you do see a lot of those when you're out and about shopping. <laughs> yes, and they are really, really ugly. They should only be used, you know, well, I wouldn't use them personally, but if you're going to use them, very sparingly for something really special yeah, <laughs> or really cheap because they make everything look really mm -hmm. cheap. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you think would be good to add for retailers about, you know, some of the good or bad things you've seen in hot tub stores or that, you know, easy things that they can do to make some of these things better? Well, one of the most expensive things, but most effective, good lighting. You never need to light your aisles. You just need to light the units. So generally, when I go into stores, the first thing I look at is, is there lighting doing the job? And very often, it, you know, it's just plain fluorescent lights, which are boring, and they're not doing much of anything. Um, if you do end up doing a few focal areas, I would put in a, um, a strip you know, just put in a, a track to light up the focal areas. Uh, if you're doing something, if you have a good mural on a wall, put in a track to light that up. Just get light onto the most interesting things if you just have fluorescence. And the other thing is, if you have lots of, you know, spotlights and floodlights, look around and see what they're hitting. Because mm. very often they just need to be readjusted or moved. Sorry. 
one last thing. If you haven't switched to LEDs yet, do it. You're going to be saving so much money and time. Yeah, I'm sure. That's something that, you know, in your own home, you don't think about it because your lights aren't on usually all day long. But in your store, that can be a huge expense. Oh, yeah. You you can save um, up to 80% of your electrical costs just by switching to LEDs, maybe more. And you never have to change a bulb again, yeah. at least not for potentially 10 to 15 years. Right. Yes. That's that's fantastic. That, <laughs> yeah. That would be kind of fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you so much for going through this with us today. Um, it was good to talk some of these things out that we've heard you write about for, for years and years. So thank you so much. We'll have to uh, do it again soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Megan. You've been listening to the Spa Retailer Podcast. You can download previous episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or at sparetailer.com slash podcast. Be sure to download the Spa Retailer app where you can also listen to the podcast and get access to all the magazine articles as well as exclusive content.